Hello, my name is Janet Lee. I'm the illustrator for Return of the Dapper Men and a new book coming out this summer called Sea Sirens. And this is 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Perfection. <laughs> Last episode of the year, people. Yeah, went out in style. Yeah, man. It's a month. Wrap it up. This year went by very quickly. It really did. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It did. Look of an eye, really. And I was looking at my notes that I have tallied over the course of the year. We got a lot of good books in 23. Sure enough. Yep. You'll have a chance to celebrate those in a few weeks at the 11 Oscars. Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm trying to, to get, get it, even though they probably won't hear this part, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Filling your ears for the last time in 2023. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 886. And I'm baby new year. <laughs> no. Oh. No. No, I'm just the happy. The and the sash. Yeah. <laughs> In the monocle, I'm <laughs> Vince B. Oh, thank goodness you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. That's true. And attention, y'all, because I am Conrad Hauser. Oh, I did not think that. I saw it coming. I no, I, I well only because I hadn't, I haven't read that issue yet. But I, I, I was thinking, based on that whole single page. Splash page with his introduction in the second issue. I could have sworn our man would have been somebody from uh, World Without End. Oh, look at that! May mayhap not. Maybe happy didn't like it um, mm. because this to springboard off DAP is our book of the month episode. Again, the last book of the month episode for the year. This time around, we'll be taking a look at World Without End from DC in 1990. Written by Jamie Delano with art by John Higgins. We'll get to that. But before we do, we want to remind you who made this possible. CheapGraphicNovels.com Say it with me. CheapGraphicNovels.com Where do you go to get your omnibus editions, your trade paperbacks, your original graphic novels, your manga, and all other sorts of book. Well, you go to CheapGraphicNovels.com because prices are so low, you'll save more than you will at Amazon. It's craziness. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take a look around. You're going to see the prices and go, my goodness, I've been in the dark for very long. I'm going to order this and eh, I'll add this to my order. And then you send it and you get a confirmation saying, thank you for your order. You're going to reply to that confirmation saying 11 o'clock comics sent me and max is going to say well smart person you are going to get free shipping on your next order and that's when you bring it on home you got lots of stuff coming so uh, just go there you will save massively trust us but trust your eyes just go there and see cheapgraphicnovels.com nice well done yes indeed I'm kind of sad because I don't have a Marvel book this week because I want to use the Tony Fleece Marvel Minute thing that he did last episode. <laughs> I did capture it, and you will hear it again. But uh, unfortunately, no Marvel from me this week. Bet you're happy, Jason. I, oh, you mean you didn't read Timeless? I mean, I was going to say, I thought With this the iconic was a debuts. Fact, so. 
And I, I have it. I didn't read it yet. I've read it either. The only reason I have it was because I thought it was Doctor Doom, and it's uh, not. It's not. Not Atuma. No. Atuma would be a, an uptick on that Ooh. book. Yes. Ouch. I am drinking. <laughs> yeah, you are. I, what I got are you a, drink? I got a bunch of stuff uh, gifted to me for Christmas by my beautiful daughter. Uh, the two of which I have with me now. There's 16 ounces, so I only went with two. But maybe later on, if we go long, I'll go grab another one. This is uh, the old standby, Arrogant Bastard Ale. And this other one is called Log Yard. Gentleman's Agreement, IPA. Mm. Yes. Interesting. There we go. What you got, Bo? I have... Watermelon grape seltzer. Oh my goodness, not even on the last episode. Bring it in that new year early. <laughs> well, listen, I had mimosas at Christmas. And you know, it's, it's New Year's. Oh, the Kennedys? They're cut. Well, they'll be coming. They arrive tomorrow. Oh, um, and then, uh, you know, and then New Year's get you drink on. So it's, you know, not, not a day for Face yourself. No, I get I, yeah. I respect it. it. It's, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. There were, there were a couple of days this week where, uh, I didn't have anything, so again, you. yeah, all grown up. Uh, this is a uh, Pinot Noir from Castle Rock Winery, uh, oh. California, from 2021. Uh, what the hell does the bottle say? It is um, bah, 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 bah. elegant, medium-bodied, offering complex aromas of raspberry, dried herbs, and allspice. I don't know why allspice is separate from the herbs, but. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's light um, and and really um, unassuming. It, it's it's a little smooth. So yeah, I'll I'll be finished with this soon. Dang. words are, are are triggers, aren't they? Sure. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Because when you say Castle Rock, I think of Stephen King. Yep. Sure. And the book about which we will be talking tonight has a lot of word triggers. Oof. Yes. That wasn't an oof in a bad way. That was no. Just, yes. I mean, the language in this is very carefully crafted. And, interesting. That's and a I'm a little, choice of words. I'm a little bummed that they gave us a, a cheat sheet in like the third issue because I was having fun just like deciphering it as, as Wait, I'm reading it. You don't even need it. No, you don't. You, you don't. don't. But and I'm curious for those of because I have I have the six single issues, the six issue miniseries. For those of you who have the collected edition, is the back matter from each issue at the end of each issue in the collection, or do they collect it all at the end after the sixth chapter? And and then you can read these love letters between Anne and Dana and and from the the guild, so to speak. But um. Yeah, well, we're obviously going to get into it, but yes. I, I am curious to know if the back matter breaks up the issues or if they kept it all to the back of the collection. And the book in question, once again, is World Without End. It was a six-issue miniseries published by DC Comics in 1990, written by Jamie Delano and art by John Higgins. Late 1990, because the sixth issue, there are a couple issues that have uh, 91 
Uh, oh, so see, Dap wouldn't have ever nominated this for the 90 O'Clock Oscars. No, no. <laughs> not the 90. Yeah, no, no, yeah have to, does have not comply. 92. <laughs> yes. Well, so the, the question, of course, before us is, Vince, when is the first time you read this? I read you them as I, they were coming out, my friend. I assumed as much. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a hot time for this type of book in particular, you know, the British Invasion, right, where Vertigo was very hot. Um that was when I was in college and wasn't buying comics. The only time in my life, but that was so. Um, how about you, Dad? Uh, I read it for our our book of the month. I've I've had them forever. I think it was I think it was Heroes when when Vince told early me to buy Heroes. It. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I they've been on the spinner rack behind me for mm-hmm. for a long time, and just um, I, I just never found time to just sit down and and read them, and then. But hey, book of the month got to do it. So I'm glad I did right. it. Nice. And cool. and for me, I, I read it this this past week, first time. <laughs> Not surprising. Yes, yes. Um, I've reread it a number of times since it came really? out. Yeah, yes. And, yeah, I think for Jason, uh, it's first time last time. Well, as, as I was rereading it for this episode, I'm thinking, <laughs> my my man's gonna have something to say. <laughs> like we know him yeah um for those of you playing along at home who haven't read this book uh to participate in this episode it is a weighty read there is a lot of uh narrative boxes there's a lot of dialogue there's a lot of words period in this book it is not a very quick read no no it's not what say ye, Jason? <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't want to be the narrator of the story because it, I, you know, I got to keep it one hundred with everybody. I dislike this with great intensity, like, like to the point where, again, being completely honest, I'm fifteen pages into the first issue and thinking it's a good thing I love these motherfuckers because I would just close <laughs> this book and give this six issue series away with ever without of reading it in a care package because, but because I didn't, you know, can we do what we do? I kept reading and then I thought, okay, you know, maybe, maybe the, the start's rough, but it's, we're going to find our groove. And I mean, from my vantage, my dislike intensified as it went on, <laughs> not lessened. So yeah, I mean, I, I can guess why a lot of people like it and why you two would like it a bit more than me. But, um, yeah, this was uh, uh, pretty offensive to my senses, if I'm being honest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I love it. <laughs> I'm not going to. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I won't mince words. But uh, the best way I could describe this book is the language in this book is like my dialogue in a corporate environment like the 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 nexus of this book it's a battle of the sexes male versus female mm. and delano goes to extremes in his verbiage to use words like engorged heaving thrusting um uh, there, I mean, there, there are. You just look at any page, and you will find a word akin to either the genitalia 
or the reproductive act. Not the not tied to those things within the narrative. He could be describing a, a car. There's no cars in it. But if, if he were describing something as mundane as a car, he would say, the, like, the engorged tires licked the surface of the... Because it's the book is all about sex and reproduction. And the the pitting the, the male against the female. And that's basically what the book is. It's this um, society um, called Bedlam, which is... It's it's a very male-dominated society. The bedlam is a living organism. The surface of this realm is alive, and they call it the host. When the book opens, bedlam's extremely unstable. Um, The the reproduction doesn't take place in the typical manner in in this book. They have these, these wombs that belch out new citizens mostly male but they produce females which they call the skitten they produce females as even lower than slaves they use them for entertainment purposes in the higher ups use them and then they're either killed or discarded like women are less than single cell organisms in this book uh in not not in the in the the bedlam uh realm and the males are called the guess g-e-s-s and like it's it's a very patriarchal society there's no there's no queens right um and everything is done for the the organism that is the guess they have all these guilds that take care of everything and um in the first issue and this is what really painted the guests as assholes i mean other than the fact that they uh, think of of females as less than less than animals. Um, there's a a guild called the uh, which one is the one the the guild that monitors the uh, the society the Inquisitors Guild, and they have flying uh, soldiers called wingmen, and the wingmen patrol Bedlam. And they're, they, they, they're monitors. They look for anything that's, you know, out of sorts or a little bit off or any, anything of note that they should go back to their peers and report. Well, like I said, in the beginning of the book, Bedlam, which is an appropriate name, it's on the skids because the people are, there, there's mass paranoia. The, the wombs are drying up and the little, the few organisms that they do produce are very high in deformities. The, the youth of Bedlam are rioting. They're sowing their wild oats. They're going against the dictum, right? The dictates of, of the society. So the wingman is flying around and he sees a female emerge, this grotesque, large-breasted female, and she's uh, singing to the moon. And organisms start sprouting from the the core of bedlam like distorted uh organisms and she's actually giving birth in a sense because it's it's her and her song that is giving rise to these creatures that are that are emerging from the depths of bedlam and he's like oh shit so he goes back to the the guild of monitors 
And he, he tells him, he's like, something is not right. This is what I've seen. This goes against everything. It's an abomination. We need to act now. And the, the, the head monitor's like, did you tell your superiors, um, about this yet? And he's like, no, no, I thought it was so important that I just came right here, uh, and told you after a healthy dose of flagellation. He's, he's whipped bloody because he was out in the, the unclean uh, part of the realm and they, 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 they need to purge themselves of their, their, thi- their sins. So they're, they're regularly flogged. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a cool, it, it, it's, it's very, there are ties to ancient um, religious uh, practices in this book that whenever you were exposed to the unclean, you beat yourself senseless to, senseless to purge the, the evil or the, uh, you know, the taint from your body. Well, it's no different here. And so at, he goes to the, the monitor and he's killed for his efforts. He's forced, yeah. he's forced to commit suicide. And I liked him. I yep. thought monitor, I thought Wingman Earl was like a decent character in that he's very driven by duty. And he had the, 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 the sights that greet his eyes actually make him vomit. I mean, it, because it goes against everything he believes. So he goes back and he's killed for his efforts. And I'm like, these motherfuckers are nasty. They would take this, this soldier in, in the, that, that who acts for nothing else than the betterment of the realm or the protect the realm. And he comes back in with his findings and he's just killed. Like it's, it, it was, it was very disheartening when I first read it. And it, you know, even after, I mean, I knew it was coming, but it still I, uh, paints a really um, appropriate picture as to the, the people in charge of this, this bedlam. They're, they're, they're not nice people and they're all men. Go figure. Mm. But the, I mean, to, to, to go issue by issue by issue would probably drive both Jason and the listeners crazy. Because it, uh, long story short, um, the the woman that was instigating the rise of these creatures, uh, they eventually name her Rumor. And I thought, and I don't know if if either of you may have picked up on this, and I'd love to talk to Jamie Delano, to to um, to get the lowdown on this. She's extremely grotesque in the first issue big red eye and a squinty yellow eye and she's got spines all over and she pendulous breasts all swinging all over and then as the the story progresses she takes on a different aspect of a very lithe very slender young lady very you know visually beautiful right and i'm thinking did they do a 180 did they originally intend the woman to look that grotesque? And then uh, uh, they thought, you know what? This thing would sell better if we had a lot of attractive nudity. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the book is very explicit, but it's subversively so. Like there are, there are cave openings in this book that are obviously the female genitalia. I mean, there's no question <laughs> about what's going on. Like the whole push scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and th- there are there are analogs for the human birth process. Uh, the 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 Guild of Monitors have a sperm on their their headgear, mm-hmm. right? Uh, their the little emblem is a descending sperm, but the, the, like they don't. Sex is not traditional in this book. Even 
eventually when the females show up, yes, there there is another group removed from Bedlam that consists of nothing but females. And they're called the Famish, uh, of which the Scarlets, uh, that's Harlot with an S-C. Uh, they are the head, uh, led by the dam, and they need men to produce more of their kind, but they don't, again, they they basically digitally stimulate the male organ and catch the sperm. That's it. There's no sex. Well, I guess you can call that sex, right? Handjob sex. But there's no traditional skin-on-skin male-female procreation in their in their uh, worldview. The and so as you would expect, the 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 bedlam gas go up against the the famish. How well they create the uh, pinnacle of the male organism, um, a, an agent that will remove the scourge of female from the the face of the planet, and this entity is called Brother Bones. And as David alluded to uh, in the beginning of this discussion, Brother Bones speaks in an effective, uh, affected language. Um, words are intentionally misspelled, characters are flipped backwards, um, sounds are represented by letters, maybe something with an, an O with an umlaut is one sound, and um, it's easy to decipher when you're reading it, but yeah. if you saw it, if you looked at the, the, the actual language as written and like you didn't try to read it you just looked at it there's looks like there's a lot of foreign characters in there it looks like a glitch like when you open up an old text file and you got a bunch of shit in the middle of a, a sentence like that's that that's yeah. kind of what it looks like but the, uh like so, so like the dollar sign would is is an sh sound mm-hmm. and the cent sign it would, would be a ch sound and it's it aside from when they do things like that, like they just kind of make the the th, the th one kind of character. The rest of it is written, or they speak as though as as they speak, and you're reading it. It's almost as if a um, someone new to the English language is just writing it phonetically. It, it words are just shortened, or instead of you know it ending with like a, a, a chur, it's just like a kur. It, it, it's it's just it's really. Victor is spelled with a K. There's, but it it's it's still it, it it serves. And then what somebody who does speak without those characters, it's like they, Bones and someone else can have a conversation using the same words. It's just obviously they're going to look differently because someone is is speaking them the way they're written as, yeah. as we read them. And then, but yeah, I'm sure that that put off a a, a number of readers when it originally was published, but I love it because it, I do too. it makes you focus on what he's saying. Like, yep. I think the, not that the words have more weight, but that you have to, it's not difficult to read, but the more you like an entire issue of him speaking is very tedious to read after a while. It's not difficult, but it's just that you have to be alert and aware as to what you're, you're deciphering. To, to get the message. And uh, I, I like making the reader work for 
the message. Um, I've always loved when an, an author will um, present a work as intended, not thinking, well, you know, this is going to be difficult to read. Like, again, Burroughs is my dude. So there, there are, Naked Lunch is an extremely difficult book to read. James Joyce, you know, Ulysses, try and read that shit. It's, 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 you have to be on the very precipice of, of, of your awareness. You have to invest yourself in, in the work. And that's what I, one of the things I love most about what Delano and, and Higgins did here is like, they're not suffering fools. You either come to the work or you don't. I can only imagine if, if how. I don't know if Richard Starkings was feeling some kind of way as he had to letter these issues whenever Bones, Brother yeah. Bones, is, is speaking. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. I mean, the, I think Higgins said that the book took two years to complete. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's all painted. I mean, he, he yeah. did yeah. the work. It's insane. Um, but, I mean, I know the go-to is, oh, looks like something from heavy metal. But I think it's more 2000 AD. I think this... And, yeah, right? Yeah. It looks, looks yeah. 2000 AD. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's, especially when we get to the, uh, the, the Scarlet's and Rumor is kind of just making her way from one land to the next. It reminded me of um, Peter Sue's uh, Quadrant. Quadrant. A little bit like yeah. Quadrant, yeah. I think it kind of resembles um, Pat Mills and Kevin O'Neill's Nemesis a little bit too, mm-hmm. just because you know the, the, a lot of the language is very similar to to Nemesis, like the termagants and 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 the you know you get the 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 higher ups speaking very um, black and white language uh, as far as you know the empire is concerned, and it's 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 the flagellation aspect of it, and just the you know giving yourself over completely to a cause when the the perpetrators of said cause are the most corrupt individuals in in the entire realm so it's it, it, it thematically it fits in with with nemesis but yeah jason you're really quiet did I you mean, re- no, I mean, did you hate I, it that much yeah yeah i mean I'd be, and and it's like you, you almost it's a good thing I'm I'm cardiovascularly fit because you you trying to compare this to James Joyce I I want to I want to die inside I, no I, I, no see that's that's again what do you want on social media I'm not comparing uh, well, this okay. book to to James Joyce I'm comparing the the need to be completely aware and attuned to the language in order to decipher it sure that's what this, this is not yeah. no come on yeah well, I mean I mean I'm trying to you know I again it's 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 always difficult for me and you know i'm sure the same for you guys if you don't like something and you have to talk a long time about it because it's like i i don't want to like tear it down in a way that like makes other people feel like i'm you know that they shouldn't enjoy it that's, that's but but at the end of the day for me like i i you know everything you consume you just get a feeling for and so i'm just i came at this feeling differently than you two guys in the sense that like it all felt so indulgent like beyond comprehension to me like the uh, as someone who uses a lot of different words and you know has been called verbose and and the like and and has a genuine appreciation for language this felt like someone was trying to see how indulgent they could be with the english language between making up words and names for people in groups that we're just supposed to decipher 
even though there's no context to, I mean, some of these passages, it's like, I felt like they were, I felt like he was looking up words in the thesaurus and trying to find the longest version and then putting it into the sentence when it didn't need to be there. It's just, I was just overwhelmed by it. Like I found the, the, the word, the written word offensive in this book. Like I thought it was so indulgent and like, so it felt like someone was either trying to trick people into thinking he had something to say and is a fraud or what he had to say was nowhere near as deep as he thought it was. Like, and that's my big issue with this. Like I understand, like, yes, you summed it up. It is, it is a story about the extreme future state of femininity and masculinity. But like, what's the, what's, what's Lana trying to say? Like, what is he trying to say about it? Like, what's the message? Well, I think one of the messages was that the the female society, the the famish, are in every way analogous to the male. the The male society think that, like, the guests they, uh, believe that women are um, nothing more than than tissues, just discard after you've used them, and the same is believed by the famished they feel the exact same way like the men are just used for their sperm and that's it because the one as soon as she gets as soon as rumor gets there and she says you know this is where i come from the guests are in you know my society is mostly male and the one of the the uh the famished says something like can you believe that it must be must be like horrible must be terrible and there's uh I I I thought that when you said it, you know, uh, about the, the the complexity of the language or or the the uh, forced complexity of the language, your words, I guess, the first issue reads like the Book of Genesis to me, especially the beginning of it, where it's just like this is the planet, this is how it is, this beget that, and this area is, um, you know, the 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 heaving. The heaving hills of flesh and the tattered uh, skin on the the ramparts, and even the 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 towers in which the the guests live, Delano equates them to an erect penis. I mean, the language is right there. The the veiny uh, he uses erect too. The the engorged towers of the guests, like it's it's very. You have to see it coming, right? Where I don't think he couches any of his concept in in shadow, like it's all right there, right? Yeah, but it's not the, subtle. No, no it's true. not subtle at all. <laughs> but the the thing that I, I, there's something about the title that I haven't deciphered because "World Without End" is the very last line of the Catholic Act of Contrition, that and there's there's something about that title. Why would they choose? Why would he choose that title for this book, knowing that it is the 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 last line of the act of contrition? And an act of contrition is basically—I mean, I can recite it exactly. I, this thing was beaten into me as as a young Catholic. Um, I grew up Catholic, but um, it's it's a statement of fealty to a, an omnipresent. God, right? I'm sorry. I fucked up. Um, did something wrong. Hope I didn't offend you. But if I did, you know, it's my fault. And 
uh, hopefully I'll never do it again, right? So why would you title this work in this manner to to make someone who knows, you know, the act of contrition? There's got to be something in the work that that not an apology, maybe a, a a plea to something that hey, you know, we're fucking up. This this may be a work of fiction, but this this whole um, male female dichotomy we got and how we're 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 you know maligning each and and going against whatever thing you had planned like i don't know but i just find it very curious to world without end like why would you call it that it has nothing to do obviously there is an end to these two worlds because they go away Mm -hmm. right at the end to spill the beans uh, I love the ending, by the way, because this is like, okay, this male-female thing is not working out. <laughs> Let's just combine Let's them. Go. Let's just combine yeah. them uh, and, and uh, a race of hermaphrodites. Hermaphrodite. Uh, hermaphrodite. Um, it's, a, it's actually hermaphrodite, mm-hmm. which, again, plays into the, the god, the, the, uh, 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 some kind of a creator at work in this thing, where the, the planet just, like, starts belching out early man but they have both male and female sex organs and that was the solution it doesn't work you know just smack them together and okay now we got a two for one yeah, bogo i <laughs> i've uh, never I, I i i understand the ending but i don't think i don't think it's a solution I think it's a it's it's a band-aid. Like okay, these two organisms that are genetically very different can't seem to get along, so we'll just force the issue and combine them. Now you have to get along cuz there's only one of you. Is that a solution? I don't know. It just seems like a I I don't even have words to describe what I think it it seems like. It's just it it's 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 an should I say it? It's an, I think it's an inadequate ending to this, the the whole stuff that went on mm. in the in the previous five and a half issues. Mm-hmm. It just seems it seems weird. I, I get a two thousand and one vibe at the end because they're all they all look like the the the, the apes throwing up the bone, but they <laughs> they just have um, breasts and and. And meat and veg. <laughs> yep. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. The ending is still. Uh, maybe I'm. We're not meant to understand it. Maybe it's just uh, two organisms combined into one, and that's the new paradigm. Maybe it's saying that that the the genders don't really matter. In order to, in well, order to, I, 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 I was curious about it after reading it. Thought, well, what the hell is this about? And so I did read some stuff from Delano from back in, you know, it's just. 10, 15, no, 10, 10, 12 years ago. And I mean, he, he intended it to be that the masculinity, you know, continued to gain more and more control to the point where it drove the world to essentially, you know, its end and that the creator wanted to insert woman into that to basically restart, reset things. That was what he was going for. And I was like, okay, like, I'm like, could have been a little more straightforward with it, but but cool, cool. Um, and there's a so, lot of, of of language 
um, alluding to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I think he was going for. I mean, uh, in as much, yeah. But it's like, you know, when you, I'm sure you've, a lot of people know something about like, you know, coding games or whatever, but you know how obviously like these days you can have, um, you know, people can swap out character, you can swap out character costumes because they're just built separate from the character model, right? I feel like the things that you're describing in this book are the things I realize, I assume is why people that do like it like this book. Like, I don't necessarily have an issue with, like, the subcomponents, like the structure of it. It's, to me, the veneer, like the skin, the mod that he decided to wrap all of the messaging in that is where he lost me. You know, I feel like if he just gave me a more streamlined, say what you want to say, tell me the fantasy story you want to tell me, like with a lot of this, I'd be like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, like I can get with this. But yeah, I don't know. It just felt like he either was mocking the idea of important stuff or like he was just coming at it from a very like late 80s out typical male perspective where he didn't, you know, he thought he knew a lot more about the opposite sex and the importance of each sex than he really ever took the time to know. But, um, you know, I, but again, I, I guess if he really intended it, as he said, then, you know, good for him. Cause that certainly was a viewpoint, uh, that was not, you know, wasn't really, I think the widely held viewpoint at the time by most men. So, you know, maybe he was, more based than uh, than 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 it seems to me in the way it's executed. Right. Well, let's be totally honest. If anything does bring this planet down, it's going to be the male. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I, I see a lot of Genesis P. Orridge in this book too. In in uh, if if you the listener aren't familiar with Genesis, Genesis was born male, but uh, eventually uh, had breasts. Uh, implants and was a firm believer of, of that, you know, the sexes will someday dovetail. And he was a living embodiment of that where he had, he had male genitalia, but he had breasts. And for uh, visually, if you didn't have x-ray vision and could see through his pants, you would assume uh, at one point that he was female. So uh, yeah, there's, there's the whole, um, Pandrogyny thing that is is very prevalent, especially in the last issue. But um, as to whether or not it's a it's a fitting solution to to the narrative, I, I I again I've read this many many times and I still don't think that it's it's the perfect ending. But what is? It, it's an ending, yeah. You know? I, I love this book. I'm sorry. I, I think the Higgins's art is alternately gorgeous and extremely grotesque like mm-hmm. he can do a vista that is just aesthetically beautiful and then f- populate it with these horrible individuals uh the skin looks like they're it's dripping off their 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 bodies and they've been uh combined with machine parts and again that's another uh I don't want to say aberration, but a diversion from the the purity of the genetics where they the men don't think twice about, you know, um, adding circuitry and, and, and machine parts to their bodies. But 
the 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 female is an aberration. So I mean, there's hypocrisy in this book too. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I really like the covers too. Covers are the best. Did you? I think they picked the wrong paper stock for this book, because the covers are clay coated. They're they're very slick, very shiny, and the the. I think it's on the first issue that they use the the double the on the back. It has a, a section of the vista of Bedlam, and if you compare the the back cover to the way it's printed in the book, the colors on the back cover are far more vibrant sure. than than yeah. on the. So maybe the paper wasn't uh, the sufficient uh, weight to to accept you know all this color, or maybe they just picked the wrong stock. It wasn't thirsty. I don't know. But I think the covers really show Higgins' work, where the there's almost like a a, a slight blur, like a, you're looking through a, a, a Vaseline haze on some of the panels, where it's it's not murky, but there's a film. It seems like there's a film over the art, and in the covers, it's not there. It is crisp as hell on the covers. So I don't know. It, it was early. Uh, printing process uh, as far as comics like they were trying different things mando paper baxter paper um, you know um clay coat covers it was all new in 90 so maybe they're just trying things uh, i don't know but I, I i definitely think there's a there's a divergence between the art the interior art and the art on the covers mm-hmm. very different and it was there's actually a fifth ink on a couple of the covers that pink you can't get that pink normal cmyk you got to run that through again With, oh. yeah yep and so the 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 production values on this book were very high yeah and only 250 an issue yes uh, yeah, no ads. i wish was, i wish yeah. <laughs> seriously yeah the old dc bullet on the cover it's uh and 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 no ads. It was definitely a uh, a special event for his. Uh, I mean, even even the back covers. There's just nothing, no house ads, no nothing from, yeah. from cover to cover. So it was it, it it was it was a special event, like I said. And there are clues that this is planet Earth. Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was oh, one of my favorite parts, going through like the fun yeah. la- animal fun land and 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 variety and Vogue and yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, men fucked it up. Yep. And the the planet scabbed over. <laughs> and and uh, this is what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping for more of that. So there you go. Uh World Without End. Jamie Delano, John Higgins, DC Comics. Book of the Month. I don't even know that we heard that. Give his thoughts. I they're pretty much um I mean, well, not necessarily the biblical aspects cuz I'm uh, deficient in that, but but uh, they're pretty much lined with uh, with Vince. There were times where, like around maybe the the third or fourth issue, where I'm like this this. I feel like parts of this could have been not condensed, but just shortened a bit. There there, there were some there were a couple of pages where I was just like I don't. And obviously with the dialogue and everything served a purpose, but as I was reading it, um, working my way. To, to, to the final issue I'm like this parts of this just feel like it's gone on a little long but overall um, I'm I'm glad I have it I, I, I'm glad Vince threw it at me and and, uh, and 
but I finally got around to reading it. But yeah, I, uh, it's, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where who, what type of reader would you recommend this to? Who, what, what else would they be a fan of? Obviously 2008 D, but I, you know, there are certain things where, um, like if someone's just reading, uh, big two superhero books or is just, you know, all about Rubaker and Phillips, something like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know who I could give this out to who, who feels like branching out of, of their comfort zone and, and, Oh, you, you want to try something new? Then here's world without end. I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about things like Grimjack and Nexus and, and, and the bigger games over the years, but, um, for someone who may not have read those stories back then, um, but this is one where I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't know who I'd say, hey, here's here's something you might want to read. Well, I think the design of, of Brother Bones was entirely reactionary. I mean, for all intents, he's Wolverine. You know, with mm. the, cl- the the claws on the hands and the, the, the points on the helmet. And uh, they they probably looked at what was selling and thought, mm, let's let's make it a little akin to the stuff people are buying. And I don't know if that was a good idea. I I think the the pinnacle of 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 maleness. I don't think it would look like Wolverine. <laughs> I I think that that he short and hairy. I think he would be you know much more bulky and more more of like a. Uh, a Goliath, right? More Just, like an Alan Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. Like musculature, extremely defined, but he has armor on. So if, if your pinnacle of maleness needs armor in order to succeed, is that really the pinnacle of maleness? Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I like the design of Brother Bones, but I, you know, when, when you try and fit it in, in accord to the, 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 the things that have been presented in the book, um yes he's a soldier and soldiers need need armor i guess and and weaponry but he can't fly he has to be carted around by the wingman like why not give him wings if he's a if he's the apex of masculinity he should have every tool at his disposal he shouldn't have to rely on a a, a subcategory of of soldier to get him from point a to point b you know, I, these are just nits. Like, I, I just, I, I think there are things that could have been fleshed out a little bit more, pun intended. Um, but no, I, all in all, I, I, I still love this book. Because it is, it does take chances. It doesn't play to the, the choir. It, it, it's, it's, it's targeting those people in the shadows that may not realize that, you know, this could be done in comics. Where it's not Spider-Man or Superman. It's something really different. And um, again, just uh, a lot like what the the status quo was at 2000 AD for a long time. This dystopian, um, you know, scorched earth type, uh, male dominated society that just tries to enforce their will on those that you know may not want to accept it. That's 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 it. All right, here we go. Can't win them all, right? We st- <laughs> can't win them all. That's yeah. True. Hey, it happens. Who suggested this book? By the way, I want to give them a big hug. Uh, you know what? I will see if it's on the spreadsheet. I know we just threw it out there. I believe. Yeah, it was. I'll. I'll. Uh, was it Ian? I'll find it. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, 
And I would love him more. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else? We have lots of comics. Oh, and you know what? If you want to be uh, a participant in this Book of the Month thing, other than just listening to it, you can become a patron. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. You actually get to weigh in on what you think we should be talking about for the Book of the Month. Now, things may be changing at the beginning actually, of the... Actually, I'm sorry, because uh, I have it. Hassan. Oh, wow. Good boy. Really? My yeah. man. It's, it's not all Batman. Right? Yep. He reads everything. We were talking about that on the Slack this week. I, I, yeah. The man reads every comic. It's, I don't know how he does it. It's incredible. There you go. So you can actually weigh in as a patron on what you think we should read. And you will be credited just, just like that for your efforts. Among other things, you get a whole bunch of stuff. We'll talk about it at the end of the episode because we have comics to talk about. Yeah, you do. Jason, don't break my heart twice in one episode. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> okay. What About what? Duke, number one. Oh, yeah. I, well, I'm already remembering this thing. I liked it. I, I said as much last week. Because I, I, I read the, the the review comment. Uh, the, not the review. Whatever that. The, like Almost like the galley copy they sent us yeah. right, a couple weeks right. back. Yeah. Well, I actually bought it and read the physical issue. And yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying, but I, yeah, but my, I, I was saying, I thought, I, yeah, it wasn't clear. I wasn't sure if you were asking because you didn't know what I thought about it because I thought I made it clear last week that I liked it is what, is what I was getting at. But all right, Duke number one was released <laughs> this Wednesday, written by Joshua Williamson, who is also writing Cobra Commander. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. Tom Riley on art. My boy, that's a big a big plus for me for the book. Yes, yeah. Jordy Belair, of course, did the colors. And um, in a nutshell, Duke has PTSD because he saw um, a giant winged robot, which, of course, uh, was Starscream, yep. kill his friend, Tyler Frost. And it just shattered him. It 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 pulled the uh, the rug out from under him. He was uh, an exemplary soldier. In the beginning, the beginning of the book is 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 awesome because Hawk is just like setting him up. He's like, "Man, you were the best soldier. You're a, you're a born leader. Not only on the battlefield, you, you aced you know training in your class, and you just you're just the the epitome." of the soldier you don't take promotions you want to be out there in the field and now you're fucking up because you're a shadow of what you were and this is not good and hawk's just like you didn't see what i saw man he's like this thing killed my friend and and we got to get to the bottom of this and try he does he uh, uncovers this. Um, now, is this uh, this Mars Industries? Is this uh, a GI Joe trope, or is this something new? Oh yeah, that was Destro's company. Okay, nice. So, like yes. the mass device and all that, it was all Mars Industries always. Gotcha. And and he infiltrates this these this Mars Industries, and just sees them ramping up this production of these these weapons of war, and he he notices in these battle mechs. That it's it's kind of similar to what he saw in in the giant robot, and that's uh, that's pretty much uh, most of the issue. Someone is dispatched to uh, 
Destro's trying to to cover up all the the tracks and the loose ends, and he's having people that know anything about what's going on killed. He he kills a a, a UFO club or a conspiracy theory club. Uh, just they're all gunned down, and uh, there are there are agents dispatched by Hawk to take out or to bring bring in um, Duke. And I'm sure Jason probably enjoyed who they chose for these two agents. Of course, dude, are you kidding me? Of course. And by the way, the, 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 cause you kind of, you didn't give him, I don't think enough respect on Mercer's name. Mercer is the one who captures Duke in the, it's a sergeant. That's one of Slaughter, that's one of Slaughter's. Oh, yeah, I just thought he was a guy. No, and it was like a, it was almost like an Easter egg. He, he was a, he was a character who was part of, like I said, Slaughter's Renegades, but he, his whole deal was he was a Cobra Viper that turned over to join GI Joe. I mean, in the in the in the OG, he's he's like he's a reformed Cobra, but in this, obviously, he's still a douche Cobra. So, so that's an Easter egg because obviously you would never know that, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's cool just, that they're they're playing right to the the, the long term. Yeah, I, I respected that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I thought Riley is is getting his best Frank Miller on. A lot of these sequences looks like something Miller would do. That's the well, huge compliment. Jeez, dude, Venetian blinds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. But just yeah. the just the the bat like the the uh the melee sequences look very Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, th- I I obviously I wasn't in on a lot of the. Uh, the Easter eggs on this, like I didn't know who Mercer was, mm-hmm. but I, I still very much enjoyed this issue. Yeah, and I, I also I, don't know the significance mm-hmm. of of uh, rock and roll and stalker. Like, like I know who they are, and I've I've obviously read comics with these two characters in it. But why would they select those two to go for Duke? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it's. I think you're going too deep. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm guessing it's because the two characters they want to push right for the next. Like, oh, I, I don't. Okay. No, there's no, no, there's like other. I mean, they're all, they're all OG Joes, but in this continuity, right? They're. I don't. I don't even know if there is a reason or for. Oh, yeah, so like, that. like, like Stalker and Duke didn't come up together, or he didn't say. Well, maybe his... in this in this narrative. Oh, right. Narrative right. Do I mean, we don't get much in the way of, uh, you know, backstory in that regard? But yeah, if they want to set the tone of like. That they were all like teammates or something. I mean, I, I'm guessing that's where they're going with it. But I'm saying I don't know that there's any sort of grand GI Joe lore that, like, you know, has that, that that's what how it had to be. Um, but uh, I have to say, I mean, I think Riley. It's really been remark. Like, we really liked him. I can't remember that book. You guys, the you know the one that unfortunately got blown up because of the yeah uh, space Astro. Um, <laughs> uh, oh shit, Ast- uh, yeah. Astro Hustle. Maybe. Oh, right, the, the one he wrote with the dude that got canceled. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah the guy who gave us El Diablo from the and he was stuff. super young, right? He was at the time Tom was like, I mean, like barely drinking age, right? Yeah, uh, but was really talented, and we said you could see the the Somni line in him at the time, like you know, it was sort of definitely a, I think probably one of his guys he was trying to come up and be like, probably someone he emulated, but um. But I like to see his evolution because he's getting more confident as a storyteller. I think this this Duke book, yes, it is a 
G.I. Joe character book. I'm not going to try and make it out to be War and Peace, but I thought that there were some storytelling challenges that, that Tom like was able to pull off here that, you know, I don't like, it, it just seems like he's getting more mature, not just like his line's been very good from jump, but I think as a storyteller composing a page, I think he's getting better. Um, so yeah, I liked, I liked everything about this, honestly. I, yeah. Well, it didn't play out like the stack of Joe books I've read in the past. It's, it's more like a, I don't want to say 007, but it, it, it's more covert than the the flag waving yo Joe stuff that I have read. So I appreciated that that it's a more personal book, hence the one man name in the title. But I, I thought it was pared down, and uh, a lot of it's intriguing to me because I don't know. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Astro Hustle. Okay, there you go. And 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 one issue. Well, Right, it was yeah one issue because then Jay Nitz was uh, canceled. Good day to you, sir. Peace and hair grease. Yeah, and uh, he even tried to build up because because they they shared a table at C two E two when we met Tom. Right, and uh, and and because that's when I got my um, uh, Lobo versus Superman commission, and uh, which he ended up I think making a uh, a color image out of but but jay was just bigging him up like the whole weekend and rightfully so i mean I mean, if astro hustle was able to finish i'm sure it would have been entertaining as hell but i can tell you right now i did not buy that first issue because of the writer that was uh, all and i've been since then we've been big riley fans i mean whether he's doing work at marvel here and there on some miniseries or 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 other projects but uh yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see him on something uh, as big as as the whole Energon universe from Skydown. Mm-hmm. By the way, Vince, also, since I'm realizing you didn't know who Mercer was, I'm not sure then if it was because you were talking about the final page when they when they announced that Stalker and Rock and Roll are going after him. But the woman that Hawk's talking to in the helicopter, that's Cover Girl. OK, yeah, because I was thinking. I, I, yeah. First, I didn't, just I didn't know looking at her. Girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah right, I thought it might have been Lady J, but okay. No, he he calls her Krieger. Krieger, Cover yeah. girl's name is Courtney Krieger. But but yeah, so but like right. So if you if you know GI Joe, you're like, oh, Krieger, it's Cover Girl. But you otherwise, you just you just be, she just be woman in the shadows who we'll probably learn more about in the future, which is fine. Yeah, that's fine too. So who's this Doctor Adele Burkhart? She just read the story. Oh uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, that doesn't. Yeah, yeah that's the woman that that he meets. Yeah, um, I was saying. I don't, they obviously have a file on her, and then he gets back to the to to, to the crib in in DC, and she's the uh, barely surviving. But yeah, and then but not for long, obviously. But yeah, it, I I I that was a name I wasn't familiar with. The code names I know, obviously, I know Stalker, I know Rock and Roll, but I wouldn't have guessed Krieger. I, I wouldn't have known Krieger's code name unless yeah, you it's throw revealed real real names of the Joes at me. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, same. I don't I don't know who these people are. So Adele Krieger was a character in the um, early continuity, but she was she's like a supporting character who's been in peril a few times. Hmm. So there you go. So they are. They're they're putting little little nuggets in there for those who yeah. want to uncover them. It's smart. It's really smart. Yep. I, yeah. I I think the 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 
the rollout of the Energon universe was really magnificently played. I think they're generating interest. They're they're keeping the the the, the reader um, excitement high by not just dropping three books at once. Yeah, they're doing a tease. It's yeah. really smart to to uh, to have uh, to bury Duke's story a little bit. Not bury, but to insert Duke's story into the Transformers and then have it play out in his book and uh, subtly introduce Destro in the first issue with always in the shadows. And then that's going to probably be at odds with the Cobra Commander book, which is, you know, because if you're reading the... Well, no, that's different, because I keep forgetting that the regular G.I. Joe 302 is not connected not, to this at yep. all. Yeah, yeah, right. They're saving the G.I. Joe 1 launch, I assume, for after they set the table with some of these minis. Makes total sense. Play it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. as long as you keep them at three ninety nine, I'll keep reading them. <laughs> there we go. Or free ninety nine, and some of us get them. I can't do that. We we no, we get them legit free. <laughs> we get what we get digital mean? versions free. Yeah. Oh, I see. You yeah, I can't. No, no. What else do we have? What else, fella? We got what we got. Uh, I read the uh, you knuckleheads talk about that Danger Street, so I can get it off. Okay, the- all, right. Oh. all right. This uh, I am before I got to uh, before I finished it. It all I kept thinking was um, for me when I see Tom King writing a DC book, a maxi series set in its own continuity based on events that happened in the past or building on what's happened in the past, making its own story. I'm like, this is the end of these characters. We, we did it with Christopher chance. I figured, Oh, okay. So this is him just writing off Travis Morgan and, and the blue star, like he's he he's got he's got something against certain characters. As I, I'm writing their final story, and obviously that doesn't necessarily happen with Danger Street, but um, I enjoyed Danger Street because of the characters that Tom decided to uh, take on and and tell a story with. I may not be a huge fan of of the kids of Danger Street. Uh, but the, the, the mystery and, and watching how everything unfolds, um, was, was a fun ride. I, I, it's definitely one of my, uh, it's, it's not my top favorite Tom King maxi series, but I was, extremely entertained with it and and the art was uh was solid throughout as well yeah i think the art's terrific i I don't know how tom does it like right and he always gives his art partners credit but i mean it's a lot of it has been serendipity right i mean he doesn't at least earlier in his career he didn't get to choose artists per se um and it just has worked out so incredibly because like how many of those people he worked with back then that he got kind of randomly paired with are now his like sustained collaborators, collaborators. But um, I, I think for me, like the conceit of this book, I find 
very appealing, which is that for those that don't know, um, like we, I think we that this, the list of characters included in this book is seemingly very odd. It's like you know D or C list characters, and I think for a lot of people um, like that, they were like, "Oh, okay, I get the conceit." But what I think only became apparent, you know, a little bit later on was the motivation for doing this, which is that um, a few years ago Tom came across first issue first issue special, mm. and which was a series that ran from 75 to 76 because Jerry Conway <laughs> talk about how things that really haven't changed that much. Jerry Conway realized that first issues always sold more <laughs> like number one issues. And uh, so here we go. What are we talking about? Now, in the middle of the early seventies, they're already, they're already gaming the system by renumbering, <laughs> but, um, but Conway. Uh, so his idea was to come up with a anthology where every issue was a first issue. And it lasted a whopping 12 issues. And all of the characters featured in each of these first issues are the characters that you find in Danger Street. And uh, I thought that was very clever. Very clever. Because I'm sure a lot of people who read this had no idea that that's where they came from. But if you do know, then it makes it even neater. It's just like a little extra dimension to the to the choices. And uh, that tickled me very much. But yeah, I thought the art was great. Um, I think like anytime you have a, uh, like a cast of tons of different characters, you know, there's going to be some, you may feel like, are kind of, you know, overexposed or, or, or maybe underexposed. Um, there's going to be like a back and forth there and it probably just comes down to which characters you most identify with. Um, but I thought they found a pretty good balance here. Like, you know, I wouldn't say that there's like a demonstrably different amount of time we see lady cop or, you know, the Dingbats or uh, Warlord, right? I mean, it, it seems like they all have a pretty significant through line in, in what happens, which is, I think, hard to pull off. So, um, And for me, I, I mean, this is the first time I've read comics with several of these characters, right? Like, I, I've never read a Green Team story before. or uh, And making the Green Team like the villains is awesome. I think that's very clever. Um, you know, I... I, I so yeah, I just I thought it was well well done and quirky and um, like it can just be its own thing. Like it doesn't have to matter absent any other continuity, which I really liked. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so uh, you know it's hard for Tom to uh, disappoint me because I just like like his writing style. But um, I probably agree. With it. I don't know that this is my favorite. This is certainly not like my favorite of of his maxi series, but I think it's very much another worthy. Feather in his uh, already bloated resume. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was happy to see Warlord again. I was happy to see the, the Creeper, although um, not necessarily uh, a version of, of of the Creeper that uh, that I'm used to. But I mean, even threw in some new gods, of course. But no, it was a, a, a goddamn Manhunter. It. I. I, I, I read the first couple of issues they were coming out and I'm like, I'm going to wait. I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to lose the thread. I want to make sure that uh, I give this the attention it deserves. So I, I plowed through once the, uh, once the 12th issue came out and, and it was, it was extremely entertaining. Like every chapter served the purpose. There really wasn't even, I mean, there's one whole issue where there's, there's a duel, there's a sword fight on the roof and, and it's just, it's, it's, obviously there for a reason but it's not like i was like well this this issue could have been skipped I, it everything 
everything from start to finish. Um, just worked really well. He, mm-hmm. he he does a really good job of of working those twelve issue stories because it's it's a lot of people if if they mm-hmm. are writing it and they know it's going to be collected they'll they'll do they'll do those filler issues and and they'll just mm-hmm. you know kind of pat things out. But this and every every cover I I, I dig the uniqueness. Of the covers, whether it's you know a, 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 a Fruit Loops spoof oh, or totally. just yeah. I, or, or or the old timey photo or the or the issue ten with with the creeper, on, I I just and then of course the last issue is is just a group shot like from a yearbook, but I I just thought it was a um it, it was it was solid I I enjoyed it a lot I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would um and I uh, I'm 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 glad Tom got to have fun with some more yeah more of DC's obscure characters. Not that anyone, not that he or, or DC should care about my my nitpick, but but I, I I mean if I'm I really enjoyed it, but I would say if there's one criticism, it would be that basically it's Deus Ex, Deus Ex Machina story, right? Like mm-hmm. ultimately, like it all gets put back very neatly, almost like you know genie in a bottle um, by the end, and like that probably feels reasonably normal in comics because they always have to writers always have to reset things back to let other people have them at, at the starting line. But, but like, since this is a black label and it's not really connected directly to the DCU per se, like he could have done a, something different, right? Like, yep. They could have actually all been gone. Like so. he did with, with human target. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, but, but that's a minor knit and really doesn't change the, at least for me, the way I, I took in the story. Nice. Hello. Hello. Looks really good. <laughs> yes, it, it does. Of all those issues. <laughs> no, Call I do. Right all the I have all the first issue specials. Yeah, you do. Oh, the OGs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's a good mm-hmm. run. It's a good run. I think it'd be interesting to see them how he manages to <laughs> to to insert all of those characters into a a narrative because yeah that was the, well that was literally his that was his challenge like he he was like this is crazy i'm gonna write figure out a way to, to put all these characters into one story that makes sense and david you don't like the dingbats he doesn't like honorary kids you know that yeah wow that's like salt peter to him i'm just like oh okay yeah keep calling her lady cop and oh yeah you just like they don't it's 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 my issue with with uh, any kid who doesn't like listen because they got to figure it out for themselves. They got to learn on their own, and it, it's like, but if you just stopped and listened, like we'd save you so much time. And every, but it, it's 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 the cycle it's, of life. It's, exactly right. I was yeah. just gonna say that's that's just that that's life. That's how that's how things go. We 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 didn't listen. Our our parents didn't know shit. We didn't. You know, we we they can't tell us anything we don't already know. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do my. I'm gonna break open this mailbox because what the hell is my father? <laughs> I just there's just things that mean? kids do. But you know, yeah. But but reading them now as an adult, I'm like, oh my god, I'm strangling this kid. <laughs> so do you not like movies like Stand by Me or? No, I love I, I love Stand by Me. Oh. Uh, I mean, aren't they rebellious, punky kids? I mean, yes, but they are. It's for me with them, and and it's the same thing with the thing bats because they're all friends. But it's it's these four kids are friends. They are also um, they are being threatened by bullies, and 
it's I just enjoyed and, and especially with these four with 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 River and Corey and Jerry and and I just I I enjoyed the camaraderie and and seeing that friendship and plus it was also um it was of a certain era and and it it's kind of hard to explain that but it is it's because it when it was the 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 time that the story was being was taking place it it's weird but uh i i i'm a little bit more lenient or or, or forgiving um with certain situations and and stand by me would be one of them okay a good answer because stand by me is freaking special movie Oh no no yeah no we're good no that I I I love that movie I actually I didn't that's one of the that's one of the short stories of his I haven't read yet mm-hmm. because and and the reason I didn't is because I read The Running Man and I was like holy shit this is absolutely nothing like the movie and it's a great story I love that idea where and and anybody who hasn't read Richard Box Running Man story. Um, Bachman, it, it was it, it's anybody who knows the movie with Arnold and Richard Dawson and Carl Withers and Jesse Richard, like we know how that story plays out. But like if you've ever read the short story, um, yes, the character is being hunted, but he's actually free to kind of like go anywhere in the country. But he still has to like check in from time to time. So he has to send in a videotape as a for proof of life but the people hunting him can use it they always use the people they're hunting they 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 use those those videos for clues to find out where the hell they are so they can find them and um and and you see in in the story that uh he gets a little creative in, in how to uh record the video and and keep it so that they're you really don't know his surroundings or where he might be and it, it it's just it's completely different from the movie and and i enjoy them both uh but that was one story where I was just like, holy shit, I can't believe, like, this is so different from the source material. And the only movie that really kind of stays true throughout is um, is Misery, except for the the ankle scene. But the, uh, um, it was weird. So I just, uh, back to that, I, I never read the story Stand By Me is based on, only because... Not that I was scarred, but I just, I don't know. I, I love the movie enough where I really don't want to know how it strays from what King originally wrote in the story. All right, respect it. This may be information, or it may be news to some of you, but Stephen King has not had a great track record. <laughs> with uh, Oh, that, having, his, having his, yeah. Ad, yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I, we should probably reword it. He's had a tremendous track record of monetizing his IP in movies, but <laughs> but, uh, but yes, the quali- quality of them has, has been uh, yeah. He was large. impressed well, with not, the. I mean, there have been some great ones, but but it but there sure. been a lot of very bad ones. The yeah. uh, I think he said that um, he wishes that uh, he thought up the way the mist ended in the movie. Right. He wishes he wrote that ending for for the book. It's a better ending. It yeah. is. Yeah, it just uh, is. I mean, we've talked about this many times, but Mist is one of those movies that, like, I feel like nowhere near enough people have seen because mm-hmm. they think it's going to be trash, and it's really, I think, a terrific, a terrific 
uh, version of that story. Like, you yeah. know, we've seen that story a lot, but I really, it's, I love that movie. Yeah, I can't watch that over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Yeah, uh, the the fire and brimstone woman. I want to, I want to just knock her block off. Yeah, and she's now on some uh, on some network show where she plays like a judge mom, and then the dude from Pitch Perfect is her son, and he's a lawyer. I I can't think of, I, I can't think of the name because I might have seen the commercial for it. So uh. oh 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 yeah, Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, Marcia. yeah yeah. She's in but yeah, she's in there. She's very good, too good. I she think, is. Yeah, that she just gets under my skin in that movie and I, if i was trapped in the in the the um grocery store and she was in there eh, she wouldn't be in there long <laughs> there you go yeah if i had any any power to evict her mm. so mm. there you go i got stuff to contribute to the image orama well then oh get well, to it shit all right you guys know that I'm getting caught up on the Spawn stuff. Yes, we do now. I um, decided to to drop the books with the uh, instigation of the Spawn universe titles. And I missed the main book. So in for a penny, in for a pound, I went back and got them all. All the books I missed. And I've been slowly creeping up. And um, I guess I should preface this with I love Todd McFarlane. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I admire really the guy. Do. I admire the guy's uh, skill with with his drawing skill, his visual skill. I, I, I love his visual voice. We all do, right? More or less. Um, I love the way he changed the toy industry. I love the guy's vision. I love the way that he, like Stan, has become this character, the character of Todd McFarlane, where he's he's managed to to create a a, a, a memory thing in the minds of of people who like his work, where where he's not just a person. He's he's more elevated than that. Like again, like Stanley. So, whatever I say. Just know that I love Todd McFarlane. But he is a ham-fisted lummox of a writer. He really is. We've known that for a long time. Um, So is Sean Lewis, who's also writing some of the Spawn books. But Todd, words and Todd just don't go well together. And and the, the problem is he has really, really good ideas. Yep. He just presents them in a very juvenile let's say, histrionic way. Like, this, the latest issue of, of Spawn Gunslinger, or Gunsling, Gunslinger Spawn, right? Todd has managed to get artists on his books that are very, very good. In keeping with the aesthetic that he set up on the original book, right? He attracts, with the exception of Simon Kudransky, he attracts a very high caliber of artists that do pretty much what he did, give or take. Like they, they're approaching it from the same vantage point as Todd. Big, bombastic, you know, the, the flowing cape and the rattling chains and the, the just the, that, that Todd McFarlane visual voice is 
well represented more or less with the guys that he's chosen to work on his books so they're very good looking books problem is i don't has todd ever been in the real world like does he know how people speak and i would love to go back and just look at his 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 history with the written word does he know that a comma is not a period like i know mm. i've talked about this before but the 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 way to approach any of the spawn titles is you have to take them on their own merits if if you go in after having read a competent writer the work of a competent writer you're going to find these books lacking right because again like i said massive grammatical errors like let's just throw a comma in between these two strings and that's how it works right you you separate them with a no there are things called sentences right they don't seem to understand these basic truths that you know you use a, a period that's the end of the sentence just because you have two ideas that may be similar doesn't necessitate the use of a comma and then separate those two strings from the next string with another comma like it's just maddening it's you have to you have to distance yourself from the the manner by which the text is presented or you'll go insane like you'll you'll just be picking apart everything so i i've learned to put that kind of you know scrutiny on the back burner so gunslinger spawn i'm not going to go through the whole you guys really don't care um Spawn brings him to the present from the time, like, say, 200 years from America's past, right? When he brought him to the present, a couple, a few people tagged along, mostly villains. One of them was this bear hunter named Carl, um, who Gunslinger saved from this pack of nasty Confederate soldiers. Um, they were going to kill him. So, so Spawn, uh, Gunslinger kills the attackers and he patches up the dude's wounds and he escorts him to the next town. This guy wears a bear skin as a costume. Like he's got the, like, like the grizzly from Spider-Man. He, he has the, the, the bear head where his face peeking out of the, of the mouth of the bear. Like it looks cool. It's cool looking. And that's one thing that you can, that's a word you can apply to anything Spawn. Like it looks really cool. Todd has, from making these toys all the time, when, when, when they create characters, Todd knows how to create a visually striking character. So I'll give him that, right? So this guy, Carl, he's in the present and he's, he's got this futuristic armor and these massive guns. And at the end of 26, he blows Gunslinger off his motorcycle. That's the cliffhanger. Bah, 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 blows him off the motorcycle, right? And in 27, he's talking to, to, to Gunslinger, he's like, yeah, I really appreciate all you did for me. You saved me, and you patched me up, and, 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 you know, thank you very much. I'm in your debt and stuff. And then he turns all cyborg. He, the, the, the armor, whatever he was wearing, like, extends over his whole body. He turns all cyborg-ish and smashes Gunslinger over the head with a giant tree. The double page spread of him doing so is really well done. 
it, it's just chock full of energy and it's beautiful to look at. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's an amazing visual take on somebody smashing somebody over the head with a giant tree, right? But as usual, Todd shits the bed with the words. Like, get this. He's talking to him. He's like, let's just say things got strange over time. But before I forget what did happen to Amy, Amy was Gunslinger's sister, right? And she's dead. I know you told me, but who killed her? The ones I'm hunting, you know things about that? And so the Carl walks away and he says, as I said, strange things happened to me along the way. And though I'm thankful for you saving me and all we went through together when we were young, the truth is, and here's the stinger, here's the stinger at the end of this sequence where he smashes this gunslinger spawn over the head with a giant tree. Big, big dialogue balloon. Massive type. We aren't kids anymore. That's the stinger. That's what Todd thinks is like real people talk like. And and the anymore is double or more the point size of we aren't kids. Anymore is the stinger. Like what? Like is that's not even interesting. That's just weird. It's but that the books are riddled with that kind of shit. Like Todd will have two people fighting, and he goes, "My power levels are more than are higher than yours." And the other character will say, "Oh yeah," and punch him. Like that's Todd. What are you thinking? How is this interesting? It's not. But the joke's on me. It, like I said, these things are comical. But the joke's on me. I'm enjoying these books. Okay. What's happening? Like, the, like the the words rarely carry any kind of weight. And and it's Todd's modus. It's Todd's working methods is to just throw shit in when he feels like it. Mm-hmm. Like, did you know that Spawn's a vampire? I, I didn't. Did I didn't know that. One issue. Todd just bites someone's neck and says, "Oh yeah, Spawn's are part vampire." Like, when did this happen? How, <laughs> he he just makes up shit and just throws it into the narrative. Why not? Like this guy. Is is supposedly a, a, a gunslinger spawn knows him. He saved him, patched him back up, and yet they talk. The majority of the issue, they're talking. It's like, yeah, I remember this, and like, okay, blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, he turns villain and smashes them over the head with a giant tree. There's it's there's no logic. There's no like I I don't understand. I would love to have a talk with Todd McFarlane and say. It's almost like like a low budget film where somebody wrote the dialogue, not having heard anybody speak in the real world. I don't I don't know how because you you know when you hear something that just sounds off like normal people don't don't talk like that. If if you're if you're gonna brutalize someone by smashing this impossibly heavy thing over their heads, and you say we're not kids anymore, like. You're weird. You're just you're just odd. But I I'm enjoying the books. I don't know where else to go with this. Like jokes on me. Todd has managed to attract me to his books even though I find a lot of flaws in them. How does one do that? I think that's a that's a testament to Todd's career, right? He's he's managed to do a lot of things 
where a lot of the, and I don't want to say a lot of the work, but certain elements of the work was kind of mediocre, right? Spawn, Spawn was, <laughs> right, it's, Spawn wasn't a revolutionary take on superhero. I mean, it's, it's fun and it, it's, it's cool to look at, but what has kept me buying Spawn for 300 and almost 50 issues? And that's an excellent question. What? Right. I don't. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you. If I can figure it out, I would do it myself. But and and like he's you know the the history he's had issue with with Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman and, and all that stuff where they look down their noses at him. But at the end of the day, I think Todd's doing something right because the guy is very comfortable. He he's putting out more books now than almost at any time in his in his tenure at, at Image, and God bless him, he's keeping them at two ninety nine. Try and yeah. find a two ninety nine comic that's not related to Todd McFarlane. I dare you. The, the with a cardstock cover and the regular amount of pages, a lot of the stuff is goofy. Admittedly, it's goofy, but it's. My kind of goofy, I guess. Like, I, I, can't, I really can't explain it. Part of me wants to, the elitist in me, oh, why would you read that? The, 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 the language is terrible. The dialogue's horrible. And the, the this guy can, just can't write. But the other part of me is like, oh my God, this guy has a chainsaw for a hand. <laughs> it's so stupid. I, and, and you put a female in the spawn costume. Like she spawns pretty smoking. Like I, I don't know how else to put it. So it, it's entirely superficial. Maybe that's it. There, there's a, a layer of this stuff that just appeals to that person that was buying comics in the nineties. It's got to be it. Like what else can it be? For a writer, he's a great artist. Yeah. 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 I mean, his art. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We've we've. There's a reason why his art is the most sought after of his contemporaries in the yeah. original art market. You know, I mean, yeah, he. I mean, it's he, Todd's wonderful, but I, I just, I, I want to quantify how does he do this? He's he like I watch his Instagram stuff, and he's just like, he's a schmo, yeah. <laughs> right? I, I mean, yeah, there's there's not a yeah. whole lot going on behind those eyes. But right. is but is there? That's the thing. Like you can't, you can't achieve the amount of success that he has without having some kind of 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 plan, some kind of smarts, right? The the, the movements. Well, I think had... he's a good businessman. I mean, just because he's not the best storyteller, I think he's a good businessman, right? I mean, he's built multiple successful businesses, and people can say all they want about like you know, the relative success of them, but like they're all still around and that's, that's not easy. Right. Yeah. And he just finds more ways to move plastic. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane. Mm-hmm. He, he hooks up with DC. Who was, who thought, who saw that coming? Yeah. Right. They had their own, I don't know how successful it was, but they, they had their own ways yeah. of making and distributing these, these, these action figures and Todd just steps in. I'm sure it wasn't as easy as that, but um, he he. Point being, he is now the the creator of DC Comics action figures. Like it's nuts. He's doing Warhammer. He's got what? Of course, he has Walking Dead. But um, just like a, a ridiculous amount 
of of money generated on that aspect of the yeah. the, the hobby. All the sports action figures too. I mean, he has the licenses for all the. All he still does US. the starting lineup. I I thought he did. No, I don't know. I mean, does he not anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I I don't pay attention to that. Yeah, but that's the thing. He uh, he's a conundrum. I just don't. Uh, I don't get it. Well, what I've always liked about Todd, like humanistic, is that it's he seems like a dude who, you, I mean, you call him like he's. We know exactly who he is. He doesn't pretend to be anything else. That is, yeah. And he just he's authentic, and he lives a fucking great life. Like he's a bro who got rich and successful, and he just lives the life he wants to live. And like, but he doesn't try and put a a, a, a coating over it. I mean, he just that's he's like unapologetic about his success and his directness and his. You know, pension for lavish, you know, bombastic style. Like I think he's, I think like he just like he's unapologetic about who he is. Yeah, and it's so funny in every issue, whether it's King Spawn or Gunslinger or this, you know, the regular Spawn book. There's a whole page that is just devoted to the power meter. He still <laughs> uses the power meter. Of course, it does. like does anyone care about the power meter at this point? That's hilarious. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> and you see it. It 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 definitely. He had t- to have written a future state story at this point, though, right? Like, like to show what happens at the end or no? Oh, jeez. Like uh, all these dudes, like, I, you still haven't seen what happens when the when the power meter runs out. We no, it's he just runs out of power. Okay. And, and so if he's going into a dangerous situation and it's at like one something. He's in trouble, but if it's like you know, if it's nine 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 nine, he's going to kick ass. It's it's just a. But does an indi- each writer use the? Oh no! Part? Don't get, don't get too tied yeah. up in it. No, it's just <laughs> there, there's no there's no science behind it. He just picks some low numbers for when his power is at the ebb, and okay. yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's just there to take up a page. <laughs> but it's so funny. I, I I I I truly am enjoying these books. Like Scorch is really good, but um, I, there is some light at the end of the tunnel because John Lehman has come on recently, and the the text and the dialogue has improved remarkably. I mean, it's oh, John it's, it's John Lehman, but yeah. I know John Lehman can't write all the books. And Todd's not going to relinquish any of this stuff. So, I mean, he has people writing them, and then it says, uh, you know, uh, script, McFarlane, you know, written by the person. And it's just, so he's still invested in them. It's just, like Steven Segovia is drawing, or did draw the the scorch. Segovia's a great artist. For sure. Yeah. So it's just, he gets really good people, aside from Simon Kodransky, to, to illustrate his books and so uh, that visually they're a treat it's just wow let's get this i think the, i think the 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 writing could be much much better and i think he should strive to do it if you're going to put out 10 books in you know in this previews he's got sam and twitch coming up mm. with with kadransky but mm. i'm hope <laughs> i'm hoping that the writing improves because if you're going to have a prestige, a line of books that you consider very prestigious, as Todd McFarlane's Spawn universe, like let's let's have the right. He can afford to to bring in good writers. So right. is what I'm saying. So yeah, there you go, Gunslinger Spawn. Oh yes, 
it's a it's a the 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 character design of gunslinger is great like i think it's just masterful the 10 gallon hat the 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 long coat the fucking uh six shooters it's just really visually striking Mm mm-hmm yeah there you go right on i hope he doesn't think i'm shitting on him like i love todd mcfarlane (laughs) But let's well, let, let's get the I'll, the writing. I'll ask him tomorrow after he listens. To you. All right, let's get the writing scaled <laughs> up on these books. Yeah, I I yeah. think they would be much better sellers if the all the commas were taken out. <laughs> maybe maybe he's writing for Shatner. Maybe he wants all those pauses. Mm-hmm. So this way, you then know, use an ellipsis. <sighs> Still on the CGS forms. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Oh goodness, goodness! What was the dude who um? Oh, was it Lord Vader? Is that his name? No, Lord Shaper. Uh, Lord uh, Shaper. Yeah, and, and that was that. That was Damien from Australia, right? And his podcast co-host was your uh, nemesis, Lobo. Oh, well, he went right. by Lobo, but yeah, that's it, right. It was, uh, Brian. Oh goodness, Brian Morris, Brian something, but yeah, he, um, yeah, it was. There you go. Those little <laughs> clicks, man. What ah, yes, those were the days. Yeah, seriously. Uh, read the third issue of um, Wesley Dodd's Sandman, and continuing the. The mystery of, of who burned the house down, who uh, may know Wesley's secrets. Um, we get a little bit more of Wesley as Sandman obtaining clues and meeting with the uh, with the coroner to find out about the person who did the burn the house and whether or not uh, more people were involved or if this person was just the, the scapegoat or the fall guy. Um and uh, there's some neat little conversations when uh, Wesley is staying at the penthouse of uh, one of his father's friends. And um, when he shows up, uh, Vanderlaal is his last name. So when Vanderlaal shows up, he brings Diane in with him and he um, he's just straightening up. Wesley's mess and he realizes there's some police files here and and Wesley plays it off by saying well I'm I I trying to rebuild the house so I'm I'm using these uh the the files for like background checks and um which Vanderlaal believes um but while Wesley and dad's friend are chatting Diane is going through some of the paperwork and uh she pulls Wesley over to the side because there's um there's one person who uh, may have had a hand in what Wesley's going through. Uh, so he's he kind of hurries Vanderlaal out of the place and uh, and then goes about as Sandman trying to solve this mystery. Uh, but we end up he comes face to face or mask to mask with the person who uh, stole his gun and the gases and uh dressed in pretty much all black um similar gas mask slightly wider brim over his uh around his i'm not gonna call it a fedora but his chapeau but he uh it's 
a little bit of a fight that happens between the two of them. Not that Wesley's great at hand to hand, but um, does his best and uh, is able to um, thwart the uh, the nemesis for the time being. Um, and during the fight, um, ends up slamming his his mask gets taken off. Wesley's mask is taken off. So uh, as the uh, the bad guy is is spraying gas all over the place, Wesley's sitting here trying to hold his breath. But he grabs his he he, he grabs the gun and jams it into uh, into the eye socket of the mask of uh, his enemy, and and of course now takes the mask off and tries to run out of the place because now he's he's about to. Uh, inhale a whole bunch of gas so we do see this person's face it doesn't seem to be anybody that, i mean the the panel and a half that we see his face um doesn't look like anybody we've we've come across in the previous two issues so um but not necessarily just because there's a little bit of uh he, he gained the upper hand in this fight doesn't mean that the issue ended well because again uh he was still doused by uh by a good bit of the gas so i guess he'll be tripping in the um in the fourth issue uh, maybe that might be the best outcome he could hope for but uh it, it was a i mean it's riley so it looks amazing I, I i don't know how long this arc is supposed to be i don't even know if these are ongoings the, these golden age books or if they're all minis leading up to something but um I I don't know. Obvious. I listen. If I was Venditti, I'd write for Riley to draw whatever the hell he wants, as grand as he wants. So I mean, that's. But I I don't know if this story. Um, I don't know how much longer it's going to. Well, it's going to run for. I don't want to say drawn out. I, I'm I'm worried that it's going to feel drawn out as we continue, um, because. Even though we've only had three issues, Wesley's still in the dark as far as who did this. Um, so I'm just not sure. It, it, and again, it's stupid to even talk about something that, that that's unfinished. So I don't know where, how long we have to go before before the end game. But it just after three issues, it just, there are parts of it that just feel like it's it's moving a little slow and i and 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 when that he's a talented writer no doubt about it but again i don't know that this could be a case of listen i got riley brossman draw on my book i'm going to draw it out for as long as i can because these pages are gorgeous so um it's a good problem to have i guess it it's um i just i i i'd like to see um a little bit more traction i think but it's still it's still a gorgeous looking book and i haven't read the third issue of the alan scott yet but um as far as any golden age stuff i'm i'm really enjoying the sandman that splash is gorgeous the which from, issue, at, from at issue the three no when he's uh it looks like another fight. another sandman ish character yeah yeah really, yeah, that, that really is, nice that, that, yep but again, redundant because it's Riley. Of course, it's going to yes. look good. <laughs> and the, even, I mean, even even the. Uh, I mean, I, I keep mentioning Robert Vendidia's on, on writing, and and Riley, of course, is 
is your amazing artist. Your colorist is uh, Ivan uh, Placencia. So it's 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 a good team. They're they're doing some really solid work. Yeah, I didn't mention when I was. I don't think I mentioned it when I was talking about Gunslinger. But the artist in question is Dexter Soy. I don't think I said that. Um, very good artist. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. a minute. It, it, it's usually that. Brett Booth, but he got pulled to work on Spawn Three Fifty. So. Dexter Soy is drawing Gunslinger. And it's he's great. Yeah, there you go. All right. We're, we want to wrap this baby up. Not before we remind them of the things they have to do. Yes, they have things to do. The first of which, we desperately need some album art for 2024. What's album art? Well, it's the image that represents our show in your little podcast player, wherever you listen to this thing, for the entire year. And we want you to come up with something. Make sure it's square, 300 DPI, work 4x4, four 6x6, four, six six. just give me something, give me a, a little bit of meat to, because when it gets shrunk down, we want to um, capture the, the uh, magnificence of your image faithfully. Don't send it low bitrate, please. So 300 DPI, square format, and you can email it to info, right, at 11oclockcomics.com. Yes. Yeah, do it. Oh, and should you win, should you be chosen as the person that will represent this uh, shitstorm in 2024, <laughs> you will not only receive the accolades of everybody in fandom, but you get to come on for an episode with us. You get to guest host Tony may or may not be Kick here. Tony out of the fourth chair. No, that'd be kind of cool if we brought somebody in with Tony. But um, yeah, you they get to. Not think so, you may <laughs> guess on an episode. We, we may do stuff with the with the image other than the the album art. Who knows? But that has, as with many things, eleven o'clock comics. That has yet to be defined. So get on that. What else, Jason? Well, Oscars. as. Yeah, that's right. As we alluded earlier, you have an opportunity soon, as we will, to celebrate all the goodness of 2023. Who will be Vince's publisher of the year? What will Dap's favorite book be? You will find out in like, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks. We'll set the date soon. But what we need you to do, and many of you have already, but uh, but for those that um, that need another reminder... If you go to our website, 11oclockcomics.com, on the top left tab, DAP has set you up with a link to the Google form for the balloting for the 11 o'clockers. And uh, there are 30-something categories. You can fill out as many or as few as you'd like. And you can also, as long as you use your real email address, you will be able to come back and edit your ballot, update it, change it, delete it, whatever you want to do, uh, up until the day that we announce will be that things close. And we usually close it like the Friday before we do the episode. So you probably have another three weeks, three weeks to get those ballots in. So let's get on it. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Ice Ice Baby. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening to this once again we hope you come back next time. In the meantime, go to CheapGraphicNovels.com and save a whole bunch of money on your stuff. Trade paperbacks, omnibus, 
OGNs, manga, massive savings. Get the confirmation, reply to the confirmation, get free shipping on your next order. Easy as pie. Also, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We have a whole lot of shaking going on. Jason just did a video every day for, what was it, 28, 29 days? Uh, How how many? 24 days. 24 days. Uh, The Advent videos. They're all awesome and all Jason. Um, We have audio that you can download and listen to that no one else gets to hear. Hours and hours of it. Images, covers, polls, dedicated Slack channel. It's pretty fun. Just go there. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Keeping the the image-orama rolling. I, this is a very, very soft sell because you know the person, you've heard him here many times. I want you to go out and read Local Man. Mm. I got caught up on it. I'm not going to spoil it because I don't think Dap got caught up on it. Mm-hmm. But um, Crossjack, who now goes by the name Local Man, is dosed with psilocybin. He is offered a, a cup of tea. That is riddled with psilocybin. So for the past two issues, he has been tripping balls. And receives a text from Inga. Who says, you know, why don't you come over? I got something for you. And sends him a picture of what Jack thinks is a gooch. He got a butthole, part of a vag. He thinks it's a gooch, but remember, he's tripping balls. So he says, okay. He texts her back. He said, I got something we can put in there. And he sends her a dick pic. The picture she sent him was of a donut with sprinkles. And he sends her a dick pic. I, I texted Tony and I said, man... I love you so much because you just made me laugh out loud like a like a silly fool. <laughs> and um, the really cool thing about these issues, which is seven and eight, is that Jack trips throughout the narrative. And Tony and Tim exploit the conventions of comics. Jack interacts with sound effects. He bumps into panel borders. He can physically interact with dialogue balloons. It's pretty fun. And they took it one step further. It's not in issue seven. In issue eight, Jack interacts with every ad in the back of the book. (laughs) Yeah, it's really neat. Like after Tim's uh, sequence, you have, you know, oh, no, they're in in Tony's. Um, you have a, a full page, even the, the image info page that Tony and Tim have been writing where they just, you know, get all Stan Lee and just write about something of interest to them and hopefully their readers. And at the bottom of the page, they'll put image books of note that they think their readers would enjoy. Jack is talking and he's, he's kind of hunched over and he goes, there's a, there's a, a, a paragraph for Dutch on the right. And he's looking at it and he goes, Oh, Dutch. Like, it's very dead. Ah. They're in the ad for Zoe Thurgood's Hack Slash. He's on that. He's on the Stray Dogs ad. 
He's on the hack slash ad. He's on the images of local man. He interacts with the actual art for that. It's it's crazy. So breaking the fourth wall via psilocybin. Read local man. Tim Seeley. Tony Fleece. It's friggin' great. Awesome. You know what? I have to say, too, it is on its way to being the best-reviewed work of his career, I think. As it should be. Yeah, I'm saying it's pretty neat. It's because, like, you know, we had him on, right? Like, obviously, Stray Dogs was this massive hit for him commercially. And then we talked about Feral hopefully being the follow-up to that. And, and we, you know, didn't talk about Local Man, which, which I can only impute from that the way that conversation was going that that local man has been a more of a labor of love than a labor of profit right like um in terms of sales but uh but like it's it seems like it's hitting a lot of different types of readers like i'm seeing the positive reviews of it all over the place so maybe it'll have one of maybe it'll be like a vertical west will have like a long life shelf life for them even you know even if it's not like the longest running series that would be nice it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is good shit. Uh, in your travels, um, might as well make it a Tom King Orama. Uh, oh, TKO Rama. So we've got, um, got the fourth issue of Wonder Woman. And I don't know. And I, I feel like Tom missed it, the joke, by not having, uh, Wonder Woman visiting this sick kid in the hospital, but she does visit him at home. Um, this, this this young boy Jack is dying, and um, he's basically Wonder Woman's biggest fan. Think of the kid who collects Spider-Man from Roger Stern. It's similar to that, um, where uh, and and so Tom King is your writer, Daniel uh, Samper Samperi. Um, Got to find out how to pronounce his last name. Is your artist stunning? I enjoyed this artist on um, Superman or or, or or action during during the War World stuff. And um, even though we're not talking about you know years apart, uh, mere months, this art is is blowing the Superman stuff away this this wonder woman is, is is stunning but um while she's visiting jack of course the government is still does a hard on for uh basically having a war on the amazons um and we find out that a little bit more information on the people who are or, or, or the the kings of um of uh, the the king of the United States of America pulling the strings of the president. It's not the president who's in charge all these years. It's it's something else entirely. Um, and while that subplot is going on, Wonder Woman takes Jack into the invisible jet, and uh, he says it's silly and it probably can't happen, but he would really like to visit paradise island um and uh and she's briefly hesitant but diana does uh take him and uh of course the amazons 
meet them there. They aren't happy that she's here or that uh, that she brought this young boy with her. Um, but nobody, it doesn't matter. Um, Hippolyta, Nubia, um, the uh, the current queen, Nubia, they, um, none of them, um, or, or I'm sorry, the current ruler is um, Philippus. None of them um, ever rule Diana for all of uh, for all of her power, no matter who's sitting on the throne and, and is ruling over the Amazons. Um, it, it's pretty much known that uh, whatever rules govern the rest of the state, they don't apply to uh, to Wonder Woman. And they have a they have a wonderful day together. And while that's going on, of course, the president makes his speech basically condemning um, Wonder Woman and the Amazons and uh, things are going to get hairy. But it was a really, really good issue, touching moments uh, in, in spots. Um, it's a uh, it, the conversation Jack has. With, with, with Diana, the, the the talks they have are fantastic. Um, and again, it, it's she's taking care of him for the day, um, granting him like, like she's John Cena. She's gonna do make a wish, but she's gonna make a John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she, uh, it's it's the whole backdrop though is is basically the government coming down on um, on the Amazons, and of course there's there's a page or two with the uh, with Steele talking to Waller and, and it's just, it's, it's not going to be pretty. Um, but these, these quiet moments that, uh, that Diana gets to have Tom shines here. And, uh, it's, it's a really good issue. I, I've, I've enjoyed each issue as they've come out and each issue kind of, um, knocks the previous one down a notch because they just keep getting better. And, and this fourth issue was, uh, was really, really good. I, um, and, and of course, we get another um, world's finest backup with uh, with with John and Damien and of course uh, Trinity. But it, it's a um, it's this one. This one was great because this backup there at the Fortress of Solitude and um, and and Damien, of course, be, being the dick that he is, he's just talking about um, how uh, he was training with super bots and he took out four of them single handedly, which just, you know, goes to show you that, that they may have no problem ever taking out John were they ever to, um, to fight. And, and John's like, why, why would we ever fight? We're, we're the bestest super friends and I'd crush you and, and it'd be super boring. But, um, Lizzie is just wandering around the fortress of solitude for some reason. And then they realize, Holy shit. She ends up with black mercy on her chest, just like, for the man who has everything, uh, and and she's living her best life, basically being a ruler and um, and having uh, the boys um, fight in in gladiatorial combat, and 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 then she comes swooping in to um, to show them how it's done. And while all this is going on, um, Damien and John are are trying to figure out the best way to remove this plant without killing her uh it's just an all-around 
fun little story. And and this time, in the background with the Trinity of of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, it makes a whole hell of a lot more sense here at the Fortress of Solitude than a painted portrait hanging up in Wayne Manor. But it was still a um, so I'm curious to see if Tomio also picks up this last page. But this was uh, this is a great little backup. I, I I'm really really enjoying this little um the the these world's finest tales. But uh, but the main story itself and uh, for Wonder Woman. Really good. So in your travels, uh, if you haven't yet, uh, check out Wonder Woman by Tom King. Dirty Diana. Mm. That's a Wonder Woman book we'd all like to see. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, in your travels, check out the new collaboration by the Tamaki cousins, Mariko and Jillian. It's their 2023 graphic novel, Roaming. Uh, about a decade ago, I'd say, maybe, yeah, nine, ten years ago, um, they worked together on a book called This One Summer. I've talked about it way back uh, ten years ago on the show. Absolutely loved it. And um, they've both gone on to, you know, have pretty robust careers, both as um, comics creators, but also in other forms of media, including uh, writing well-known TV shows. Um, but nevertheless, like I love that they still come back together to uh, collaborate every few years. Like they've, I don't know if it was their first graphic novel, but they did a, a, a book together called skim back in the day. And then uh, this one summer, and then they've done a few more. Um, I love that. Like they come home to each other to do stories after kind of going off and doing their own things. That's kind of cool. But um, roaming is basically a love letter to New York city. So, Vince has said many times he loves New York City. Um, he would definitely get that out of this. It is very, very well-researched. I assume the Tamakis have either lived in or spent a lot of time in the New Jersey, New York area because everything about the book in terms of the tourist experience is very authentic, including like even the way that the Newark airport is drawn and the monorail. Like it's it's clear that that that. Um, Jillian knows knows these things from her mind. It's, she didn't have to research it, but anyway, um, it's um, it's a story of three college age girls. They're freshmen. Um, two are childhood best friends who go to different schools, and they agree to meet up for their vacation in New York together. And then one of them brings her new friend from school uh, along as well. And it's like a three or four day window into their lives going through New York. Um, and, uh, and then there's a, like kind of a relationship tangent with the new girl meets the old friend and that whole thing. But like at the end of the day, this is just the Tamaki's trying to, um, capture what it would be like to be in New York city for the first time, um, at, at a, you know, at a, at an age where everything sort of looks wondrous. And, um, no, I like that. Now I've joked before when we've talked about love letters to New York, I'm not, I'm not like I don't need a love letter to New York. I've spent half of my life in New York City <laughs> and and I've said many times like I I'm good like if I would love to go back as a tourist, you know, once or twice a year, that's great. Like I love New York Comic Con now because it feels like I'm just there to enjoy the things about New York and not have to worry about the rest. Um but yeah, I would say this is a very very uplifting um um you know, take on you know, New York tourism. So Kudos to him. I will just say there's a caveat though, and not that the caveat really matters, but but this is a book that's like just running away with some of the awards. Um, 
it will probably be at or near the top of the the meta list that I do for how many sites that nominate their best of stuff. Like this one's pretty much been on every ballot so far. Um, and I have to say, like it's a it's a well executed coming of age story, but I don't think I could put this up there. Like I think it's a good book, and certainly I I enjoy when they work together, but I don't quite understand like how this could be the best book of the year. It's because I don't think there's anything that it's not anything distinctive enough for me about this to to say like okay this is this is like you know this is something that that stands above all else. But again, I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing. I really did enjoy it, um, so it's absolutely worth your time if you're into the Tamakis. You'll this will certainly make you feel good about uh, their their latest venture together. Nice. Vincent is good timing, right? Yeah, I was thinking about it like I loved ducks, which, you know, was up there for my book of the year last year with Zoe's book. And um, like that's that's kind of a similar like autobio take. But for me, like what made ducks so interesting is, first of all, it's a much longer like examination of their life. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. like it's it's but also it's um, like it's this weird, even though it's real, it's this strange juxtaposition of this young artsy girl ending up in this like, you know, deep, like industrial oil complex where like, it's all these gruff, you know, day working men. Right. And like, that's fascinating that like some, it's like fish out of water. Whereas like, this is just like three, you know, wide eyed girls visiting New York. Like, you know, so it's like, I don't like, there wasn't really like a, um, there wasn't a not a grab test isn't right word, but there wasn't like anything unique about these girls' existence that made the window into their lives all that interesting to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But you liked it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just saying, Vince, though, that it's 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 like at or near the top of the meta list that I do. Like it's like you know, quote unquote, book of the year type of thing, and I didn't quite understand that level of adoration for it. Gotcha. Save yourself some time and aggravation and not read those lists. I get more compliments from our patrons about that list than I do any other post that I do, so. <laughs> there you go. Gotta get the people it's what they want. All about you gotta the, keep the people happy. It's all yeah. about the adoration. <laughs> I love you so much. And I love you, the listener. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so much. Remember... Go to some comic shops, get you some books, talk about them online, preferably on the EOC Facebook page or other forms of social media, and then come back this next week because we'll probably be talking about them as well. Thank you, right. We wish you a very happy new year. 100%. Thanks if you had this year. And we're looking forward to uh, doing it again in 24. We're looking forward to seeing a bunch of you at Heroes, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots more in 24. If you had a good year, we hope it uh, continues. If you had a bad year, we hope it gets better. Yes. Very well said. Yeah. Thanks. In the meantime, say goodnight. I have nothing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. I had to take Mm -hmm. everything off the shelf. Shelving because of the cat. There was never a ledge that a cat didn't want to knock something off.
love it. David. Good night. Boop, 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 bop, boop, beep, bop, bop, screw up. You're going to lose it. Nothing. Nah, I can, I can, I can try and knock you off to your game. I don't know why you would want to do that. You tit. Where's, what's the fun? (laughs) You, you're a tit. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) David. Nice, nice. (sighs) Tell them you love them. You already did. Yeah. Do it again. It bears repeating. We love you more than Vince loves you. Baby New Year. Yeah. That's it for that one. <laughs>